Amen. It's good to be back again this week, and uh, we continue to journey together looking at how our God as a Heavenly Father can shape how we love our families and make the most of our time in, in family. And so we continue that journey today with another momentous moment in the Scriptures. So this morning we want to look at uh, Moses and the Ten Commandments. For those that remember this story, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They'd been slaves for quite a while, and uh, the time of their slavery was over. Their time of freedom and deliverance was at hand, and so God brings them out with Moses' help and Aaron, his brother's help. And they come out, and they enter into the desert, and they're moving toward the promised land, but they're in the desert. Uh, before they move forward, they need to know who they are, they need to be a healthy community. They need to have a healthy identity of who they are and whose they belong to. And in light of all of that, God sits down with the people. He meets them face to face on Mount Sinai, and he gives them what we call now the Ten Commandments. And so uh, we pick up the story today in Exodus 20th chapter, starting in the first verse with God speaking to the people and the nation of Israel these words. So God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will, hold, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son and daughter, nor male or female servant, nor your animals, nor foreigner who resides in your towns, for six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen but do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Not be afraid. God has come to test you, 
so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me and for me? Lord Jesus, we come to you today. Let your spirit and your love and grace fill us and guide us and empower us. Help us not miss out on your love. And help us embrace the guidance you've offered us in your word for us and for our families. Lord, help me to speak those truths today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, over my life following Jesus since I kind of was a teenager, I've found along the journey that at times where I've been able to maybe share my faith with someone and talk to them about following Jesus, uh, one of the hindrances it seems like invariably that oftentimes reasons we hold back from going down Jesus' path is sometimes because we have this false impression that God gave rules to spoil our lives, to make it no fun at all, just to take away all the joy and all the fun and all the partying, all the celebration that we could have if we just run our life ourselves. If I run my life myself, it's going to be so much more fun than anything God has in mind. Maybe you've said that to yourself at some time. Maybe, uh, maybe you've heard other people say that. And one of the issues we have with, with faith are the rules. Why are there so many rules? Uh, it seems like religion is all about rules. When really it's not to be about the rules, it's to be about the relationship. But to have a healthy relationship, oftentimes I find that having good rules help with that a bunch. Don't you? We see here with Israel, I mean, there were hundreds of thousands of Israelites gathered out in the desert. They were trying to figure out who they were and who they belonged to. And so God realizes this, that if they are going to have the opportunity for a healthy future together, they had to set some rules in place to guide their relationship together. And so he gives them rules. He gives them four rules out of the beginning that show how to keep God important and primary and first. Because if we keep God first, everything else falls into place. And then with the last six rules, we see those rules of how to love one another well, how to love our family well, how to love our neighbors well, how to love our enemies well. You know, it's not good to murder. It's not good to steal. That doesn't help anybody. So he gives us all these rules in place. And just to kind of maybe help you think about this a little deeper, um, you know, if God is real, and if he is the source of everything, if he spoke and the universe exploded into being, and, you know, humans developed here on planet Earth with his guidance and grace and help, uh, scientists would say, right, that there are certain laws 
that govern how the universe works. And if the universe didn't follow those laws, the universe itself would not work, especially in terms of being a place for life. So laws like, you know, the law of gravity or the second law of thermodynamics or, or the laws of quantum physics or uh, that we can't even see, those are all at kind of the subatomic level or just so many different principles that make up how the universe runs. But if God was sovereign enough and wise enough to create the universe with a structure, with rules, with laws, then it shouldn't surprise us that at the heart of the universe is also a moral law, moral boundaries, a moral teaching that, that works for us as human beings. If we trust, if we obey, if we follow. And so uh, it shouldn't surprise us that if God can design a good universe and can design good human beings, that he can also say, all right, human beings, if you want to be at your best, here are the rules how to have a great life. These are rules that will protect you. They will bless you. They won't just bless you, but they'll bless your neighbors around you, and you will find life. You'll keep to the rules. Now, if that doesn't convince you, uh, I'll give you one more example, and that is, for instance, football. Football, it helps, I think, to have some rules for the game. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, there have been great skepticism and questions about the rules in the NFL, right? You know that what I'm talking about, don't you? The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills. I got that right? They played about two weeks ago a battle of titans. One team would score, the other team would score, and they would just went back and forth the whole game. Until the end of the game, they were tied. And so they go into overtime. And the rules of overtime are what, right? You flip the coin, whoever wins the toss, if they get the ball and they score a touchdown, they win. And so Patrick Mahomes wins the coin toss, goes down, scores the touchdown, and the, uh, the, the Bills, they, they, they're done. They don't even get a second chance. They, you know, it's not college, right? College, both offenses get a chance from the 25 or whatever to score the touchdown. Not in the NFL. In the NFL, the game was ultimately mostly determined by the flip of the coin. Because the way they were playing, whoever got the coin would probably win the game. It's a question of rules. And so can you imagine in football, for instance, that uh, you know, a guy catches the pass near the sideline and, and the guy that's guarding him says, you didn't catch the ball, you were out of bounds. The other guy says, well, I wasn't out of bounds, I was clearly in bounds. What's the rule? And uh, you know, on, you know, a guy kicks a field goal, for instance, right? right through the uprights, and the guy says, that's a five-point field goal. It was from 54 yards. It's worth five points. And the other guy on the other team says, that's not worth five points. That's worth three points. You're not following the rules. We find in sports, no matter what the sport is, in fact, I think the NFL in its early days, I saw a movie called Leatherheads with George Clooney about early days in the NFL. 
where they didn't have a lot of rules. You could kind of do some sneaky things back then. They didn't protect the players necessarily. But having a good set of rules makes all the difference in the world. And so I hope that as we wrestle with our relationship with God, that we would realize that the purpose, the rules really have kind of two purposes. The first purpose is for God to protect us and to provide for us. And to say, if you want the most out of life, it's going to be in your best interest to keep these rules. Because these rules will have you, help you have healthy relationships, have healthy families, have a healthy life. But not only that, you know, ultimately we also found in the Old Testament that it's hard to keep the rules. None of us are very good at it. We're not perfect at it because that selfishness, that sinfulness just tends to eke itself out at the, at the worst of times. And in those cases, the purpose of the rules, Paul writes, the rules are to remind us that to make it through life, we don't just need rules. We need a Savior. We need someone to save us when we just blow keeping the rules. And so even the rules were meant to point us to our need for Jesus. And so in all these things, um, if God is a good Heavenly Father who makes good rules, as a family, and let me say as he makes good rules, it helps us develop a healthy culture, right? It allowed Israel to develop a healthy cultural identity as a people, a cultural identity that would be so strong it would see them through exile in foreign lands with foreign languages. They were able to maintain who they were and whose they were because of the guidance of the rules. And so how much more for healthy families, for raising healthy kids and healthy teenagers? How much does it help to have a healthy set of rules? So what I want to do this morning is I want to share some rules with you. Uh, when my kids were smaller, I came up with these rules and, and shared them at, at a few of the churches I've been a part of. And th it's it's me trying to look at the Ten Commandments and say, what if God made the Ten Commandments not for a nation or a people? What if he made the Ten Commandments for families? What would that look like? What would that look like? And so it might look like this, but I, didn't, I couldn't come up with ten. Originally I came up with eight, and then as I kind of prayed through it more this week, I, I added a ninth. So, so here are the nine family commandments and see if, uh, if you have a commandment like this in your family. The first family commandment is this. We will do our best to love God and to place God as first priority in our life and family. We will do our best to love God and place God as our first priority in our life and family. Because that's what the early commandment is all about that if we get our relationship with the one who made us right, everything else falls into place. And we even see that in the story, don't we? Did you notice in the story, at the end of the story, uh, how intense this God speaking to Israel was? They were like freaking out. They were like, Moses, 
We're face to face with the Creator. He's speaking to us, and it is too crazy. It's too awesome. We can't handle being this close in a relationship with God. How about this? We'll stay down here at the foot of the mountain. You can go up the mountain. You can talk to God as close as you want, but we want to stay at a safe distance. And throughout our lives, we continue to kind of do that. We say, we'll let the preacher be the Bible reader. We'll, we'll let this person be the close one in our family who gets close to God. We'll stay far away. Uh, we'll have other priorities. And then we wonder why life just doesn't fall into place. Well, maybe it's because we haven't found that first rule, that our relationship with God should be our family's highest priority. Even against other good things. You know, I've told you all, our family's a soccer family. You know, but I'm proud in, in our family this, this fall, we had some issues where there would be Sunday games. And I'm proud, especially of my daughter, who's had several Sunday games, who said to the coach, sorry, I'm going to be late to the game, or sorry, I can't make this game because I'm going to be in church. You know, I'm proud of my kids when they show they've figured out the priorities. They know what's important. And, uh, you know, whether it's dance or whether it's Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, I mean, we got all sorts of great things you can be involved with, baseball, basketball, football. But the call is, in all those good things, what's your highest priority? And our highest priority should be loving God and placing the Lord Jesus first. Number two, uh, we will honor God and each other with clean and caring language. We will honor God and each other with clean and caring language. Uh, you know, in the second commandment, it talks about don't use God's name in vain. And uh, so oftentimes today, it seems like our culture, you know, all the movies, even the PG movies, the PG-13, all the movies, all the TV shows seem to be moving toward shaping our culture with a cruder and cruder uh, discourse in terms of the names we use and how, how we speak about one another and to one another. And God, from the very beginning, said, listen, my name represents who I am. It represents my character. It represents my relationship with you. So please protect your relationship with me by protecting my name and its value to you. And so in our families, we'll honor God and each other with clean and caring language. Number three, we'll take time for rest in our relationship with God through involvement at church, family prayer, and family Bible reading. We'll make time for rest as a family in our relationship with God through church, family prayer, and family Bible reading. We become what we prioritize. And uh, I think some of the best times in our family have been those times of worship or those times of prayer. Um, and, uh, and I think that's an important value. It's that Sabbath value that this day is the Lord's day. And so we're going to make space for God today and all through the week as well. Number uh, four, we will listen to mom and dad and learn from their love and wisdom. We will listen to mom and dad and learn from their love and wisdom. This is actually the one I just added this year. 
And I think I could probably say we will, we will listen to mom and dad and learn from their love and wisdom and also we'll learn from when they blow it, right? Because there's no perfect parents out there and sometimes we learn from our parents how we want to parent and the, hopefully a lot of that stuff we apply to our own life as, as families. But sometimes we do learn from our parents, you know, they did it this way and that just really didn't work. And so I'm not going to do that with my kids. I'm going to do things a little differently. And so that's part of honoring our mother and father. Number five, we will not harm others physically by hitting, kicking, or biting. We will not harm others emotionally or verbally by cursing them or calling them names. We will not harm others physically by hitting, kicking, or biting. We will not harm others emotionally or verbally by cursing them or calling them names. Again, this is connected to thou shalt not murder. Not just that commandment, but Jesus' comments on that in the Sermon on the Mountain, right? In the Sermon on the Mountain, he said, listen, it's not just about killing somebody. It's about how you treat somebody uh, when things aren't going well. And so uh, that's, that's another important piece. Number six, we will not take something from someone else without asking first and waiting our turn. We will not take something from someone else without asking first and waiting our turn. Thou shalt not steal, right? And teaching kids that, yes, you can have a turn, but let your sister have it for three more minutes, and then you'll have your turn. Learning to wait rather than steal, to find ways to work together in relationships. Number seven, we will share our stuff both toys and candy or whatever it is, our Xbox with each other and be generous. We will share our stuff with each other and be generous. The Ten Commandments give us a paradigm of generosity, of that stuff isn't things we hoard and keep for ourselves, but stuff is something we learn to share. Number eight, we will not lie when we've done something wrong, nor will we lie to hurt another person. We will not lie when we've done something wrong, nor will we lie to hurt another person. But if there's to be strong relationships, it takes loving one another and doing our best to be honest with one another and definitely not lying to gain power or an advantage over someone else. And I know... This is politics. In our political culture today, it seems more than when I grew up. I know politics, they always said politicians are a bunch of liars. Well, I guess that's probably always true. But it seems like, especially today, we love lying to gain power more than being truth-tellers to develop a healthy community. And I, I wish we had politicians that would get that. But that is not a good thing. There's one thing of being on your political team, and there's another thing with standing for the right thing and for the truth for all. That's okay. Back to the family, though. Back to the family. That in the family, we won't lie, especially to hurt another person. And then the last one, nine, we will learn to be content with what we have been given. We will learn to be content with what we have been given. Uh, one of the greatest sources of sin is keeping up with the Joneses. 
you know, we've got to have, you know, our next door neighbors, they have a new pool. We've got to have a pool. Our next door neighbors, they have a nicer house than we do. We've got to buy a nicer house. Our next door neighbors have a nicer TV set or a nicer, you know, whatever. And we've got to have it too. And learning to be content with the stuff we have um, is, a, is a major biblical principle for a joyful life. And so today, uh, as we close, I want to challenge you, what boundaries did you grow up in in your family? I hope as you sit down with your spouse or with your kids this week, you might take some time out and talk about the family boundaries. Do they look like all these? Are there some that are a little different? Uh, how does that work for you? And uh, what kind of boundaries are important to you? Maybe it's ones that I haven't put on the list. Um, but I want to challenge you that, uh, that boundaries are a place to bring freedom and fun and joy and make the most in life. And what I've found as I've followed Jesus is it doesn't put me in bondage. It doesn't take away my fun. It doesn't spoil my life. No, it frees me up to love well to be in relationships better than I would otherwise, and to, to just be able to find joy in loving God and loving other people. And, uh, and I hope that we will find that too. Because uh, one thing I know is our families are important and critical and valuable. I'll close with this, and this is, this is less about the boundaries and more about the importance of family, but... Mother Teresa just said, I'm reading her devotionally this year, and uh, she just has a lot to say about the family. So I'll, I'll share just this one, one point of how important family is. Don't neglect your family, Mother Teresa writes. Be at home. If today so many young people are misled, it's because the grandparents are in some institution, and mother is so busy that she's not there when the child comes home from school. There's nobody to receive them or play with them, or they go back into the streets where there are drugs and drinks and so many other things. It's the same everywhere. Everything depends on how much we love one another. And part of the boundaries, part of the rules, is ultimately about how we love God, how much God loves you, and how we can love one another. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.